My name is Alan. I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard, and it is such a pleasure to see you. If you're online, I am glad you're here. I wish I could see you. I can't, but I am grateful that you have joined us today. It's my privilege to conclude a series that we've been in entitled Living Water. And I have to look to get the bottom part, daily hydration for our faith. I knew the hydration for our faith. I forgot the daily part. One of the things we've been talking about is that the life of Christ is available to us by the living water he provides. The story of him with a woman at the well is a there's this encounter in the scripture and the encounter basically is he's thirsty and asks for a drink of water and in the course of the dialogue they start talking about spiritual things and they begin to talk about which mountain you should worship at and they're actually talking about uh, the way we practice the worship of God Agreed that we should worship God. And it's interesting to me, my discovery is there's lots of people in the world who agree that we should worship God. The question is how? And Jesus just simply puts it in saying, I'm the water you're looking for. And if you knew that was true, you'd be asking me to provide a drink for you. And the drink that I would provide for you would fill you up from the inside out and you would never be thirsty again. And so we've been exploring ways to engage hydrating our life with the grace and the presence and the consumption of the water that Jesus promises. And so we've talked about hydrating our life. I, I, I was just thinking about it this week. Hydration stations. Life's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You, you, you realize in the sprints there's no hydration station, right? Right? Like, you go to a track meet at the sprint, you don't stop. There's no water along the way in the 100-meter dash, right? Like, you don't stop halfway through, and there's guys handing cups out, right? Because it's not a marathon. Life is a marathon. And in every marathon I've ever observed, and I say that because I've never run one, and just don't get your hopes up, I don't ever plan on running one. I understand that there are hydration stations, but I do know this. In following Jesus, I'm aware that I'm thirsty, and I'm talk, we've been talking about ways to hydrate our life. And so we talked about, Jen told us about silence and solitude. The discovery of the presence of God among us that is life-giving and breathes into us, hydrates our life when we just pause for a moment. Tony asked the question, is it in you? Yeah, I don't need to tell you, he's a Gatorade fan. If you listen to that sermon, if you haven't, go listen to it. He was talking about how we hydrate ourselves with regard to the expression of life living in worship. Is it in you? Kurt asked us the questions about fasting and preparation for prayer. And so we, we've been navigating our way, and actually, we're in the presence of a fast right now for the sake of raising funds for Living Water International. So 
Uh, it's not too late to join us if you'd like to give up your favorite beverage and drink water in its place. We've been talking about coffee and all kinds of other drinks, your favorite drink. And for 10 days, the church together is uh, doing that. We're giving up some beverage of our choice and saving the money we would have spent on that beverage to contribute to the drilling of wells around the world to provide water that is fresh and clean for people who don't have it. You know, we're so privileged. We just go to a tap, and uh, most of you have a filter on your tap. I know that. I've got one on mine. You, you go to your tap, and uh, my tap happens to be the refrigerator. You know, that convenient refrigerator tap right there at the door. Bam. You know, I, the double whammy. If you want ice, it's right there. Bam. And I can get as much as I want. It, it's, it's just awesome. It's just awesome. And so if you want to do that, we're going to be receiving an offering and uh, you could just give the money that you saved by not drinking that favorite beverage. Um, and I know the, the price of my favorite beverage, $3.19. So I'm just saying, $3.19 regularly spent on a, on a beverage can be donated over the course of the next 10 days, uh, last week and into this week. Uh, for the sake and the well-being of others. We're talking about ways to hydrate ourselves and the drinking and the practices that we're engaging in. So we're talking about hydration stations. And today, I want to close this because if we were just talking about hydrating, we have to ask the reason why. Why is it necessary that we stay hydrated in our faith? Well, the reason we need to stay hydrated in our faith is so that we fulfill the purposes for which we have been created. And so today I want to walk you through that. And as I understand it, the purposes for which we have been created is to love God passionately with everything that is in us and to love our neighbors as ourselves which is reflected in the way that we engage in serving others. Serving others. Fulfills the purpose or sets us on a missional trajectory to be followers of Jesus who participate alongside him in the work that he invited us to join him in. Matthew 28 is a great passage. Just read that passage. You know I love that passage. If you've heard me preach, I, I, I can hardly avoid this one that Jesus says to us, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And he's with us because he's sending us on mission, because he's told us that he's invited us to share with others what we ourselves have experienced in relationship with him. We're supposed to give it away. So serving others is the active engagement of giving away what God has given to you and to me. And I hope that by the end of this talk today that you will see you matter. And you are necessary. And what you bring to the table as a contribution in the kingdom work, the missional work of Jesus, is absolutely essential. And without you, the church is poorer. So can we dig in? 
Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to go. And I'm going to read several verses, but Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 8, and then we're going to jump down to Ephesians chapter 4 and read that. And so here we go. Here we go. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. And then down to verse 10, for we are God's, uh, for we, uh, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for us in advance to do in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. All right. Now we're going to jump to Ephesians chapter 4. It's a little bit longer, but um, hang in there with me because we're going to unpack it here in just a minute. As a prisoner of the Lord for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Let me just pause right there and just insert a thought that came to me today. We had a guest drummer, Bubba, and, and I, the history of uh, Bubba and Rick playing together goes way, 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 way back. And Colossians 1.27 came to my mind this morning, guys, because Colossians 1.27 says, says to us that as followers of Christ, we are the hope of glory made present to everyone that we come in contact with. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Had an incredible band back in the day, and they're still incredible musicians, and we're glad that uh, we had Bubba with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. You were called to one hope. That hope is in Jesus, and we are his hope in the world. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. What does it mean he ascended? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to, fulfill, uh, in order to fill the universe. And here's the passage where you might be familiar. So Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers... To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 4, 1 through 13. Now, what I want to do is I want to show you sometimes how this works in my life as I'm preparing. And so I just wanted to pull back the curtain a little bit and show you a little diagram that I drew while I was preparing this sermon. As I was reading these passages, uh, I I just want you to take a look at my notes. Here's a doodle of my notes 
So at the top it says, you are the gift. We're going to unpack that in just a little bit. And the gift that you are is one who equips the saints. The gift that you are is the one who does the work of the ministry. The gift you are is the one who is an encourager or encouraging the family. Now, as we unpack this, what I want you to see is I wish I should have, drawn, as, I, as I continue to dig into the passage, I wish I had drawn some other arrows. So in your mind's eye, create some other arrows. Instead of seeing it as a circular movement, you're the gift and you're the gift because you help equip the saints because you do the work of the ministry and engage in the work of the ministry and you encourage the family. Those circles that I drew indicate a sequential activity. And as I studied it, what I want to say to you, it is not that way. At least not how I understand it. It's not sequential. But now take... Just take some other arrows and just draw the arrows internally so that you jump from one to the other. So make, make all these cross arrows so that it's more like, if you wanted to draw a new diagram, more like a Venn diagram. Each of these are circles of, the, uh, uh, of influence. And at different points in our lives, we're doing more equipping or we're doing more encouraging or we're doing more serving, but they're always essential. And so just think about it that way because this is how I understand the work of the gifts of service given to the people of God. And so let's just unpack it. You, my friends, are the gift. You are the the gift. You are the gift because as I unpack this passage, I understand we, you, and I are God's handiwork. Another way to say that is you and I are God's creation. And so we're the gift of God because the gift of God has come to us. And Paul simply says this, he says, salvation or our rescue or our redemption or our turning around is a gift from God. And then you just have to read it. No boasting. No boasting. There, there, this is not about um, uh, finding a way to build yourself up. Because you and I didn't do anything other than say yes to the gift of the invitation of following Christ and receiving his great work of redemption. So the gift of God comes to us. He follows it up by saying the gift of God that comes to us in salvation that we did nothing to earn provides for us an opportunity that this new creation that we are created in Christ, we are now assigned or invited to engage in good works. And this is where we get confused sometimes. We get confused that our good works bring us to Christ. And no, it's our good works flow through us as we follow Christ and give ourselves to doing the work, the missional work that he has done for us. Another way to say it is in advance, in advance, God has already assigned and designed 
his followers to join him on his mission. We're on mission with God. So here's a way that I think about it. The glory of God has come to us and is in us. The glory of God is for us. And the glory of God that is in us and for us flows through us for the good of others. And if we get stuck in any one of those places, it's only the glory of God in me, or it's only the glory of God for me, or if it's only the glory of God that flows through me for the purpose of others, we've missed the whole idea of the concept of this series. Living water, hydration for the daily life. You see, this is this ongoing thing. This is why these three things are regularly inclusive. And so, so here's the founder of the vineyard, uh, John Wimber. He said it this way. Everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. And so what I want to say to you is this. This is a quote from Francis Fulkes. He's a theologian. And he says this. The gifts are the people of God. All in their particular ministries. Um, Another way you could say that is giftings. Or in another way you could say that is in their Grace servings, they're gracelets, the drops of grace that come to us through the Holy Spirit that empower us. So uh, in our particular ministries, our particular giftings, our particular gracelets that have given to us, that flows through us, and we are gifts to the church. Now, parenthetically, I wanted to make sure that you didn't forget what I told you earlier. So the parenthesis is what I added. Because he stopped and are God's gift to the church. And I think just for the full idea. And through the church, the world. Through the church, the world. And so as we unpack this, um, I've had some other thoughts when you remember my... um, when, when you remember my note or my, my, my doodle, uh, you'll see that I've done a pastoral thing. Because I've taken the three points of ministry and I've turned them all into words that begin with E. Right? I, mean, I don't know. Sometimes it just happens and you can't help yourself. Well, it happened and I couldn't help myself. So let's unpack the three things and ideas I showed you on my doodle Uh, And I've I've adjusted them just a little bit. And so here's the first thing that happens. When we receive the gift freely given to us, what happens is we become a people who are equipped to be equippers. We, We equip. We are equippers. And one of the things I want to say about being equipped is simply this. As I understand equipping, this phrase comes to me. When I understand that I've been given this gift, I understand that I have received the gift of the discovery of inclusion. Okay. God has rescued me, not on my own works. And now, he's 
gifted me. Go back. What has he gifted? And Christ gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, at this point, there's regularly some confusion in the church. Because if we're not careful, what we begin to do at this point is we begin to talk about the fivefold ministry. And when we begin to talk about the fivefold ministry, I'm not opposed to it. I'm going to try to unwrap it for you in a little bit of a different way. But when we talk about the fivefold ministry, we often talk about the fivefold ministry apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We begin to talk about those five ministry services with regard to the clergy. God has given to the church clergy. Some of them are apostles, some of them are prophets, some are, uh, uh, are evangelists, some of them are pastors, and some of them are teachers. And I won't say that I argue with that, except if you think that way, I think it's too small. Because I think God has gifted every person in the body of Christ to fulfill the missional purpose to which he has called us. So we're equipped to equip. And here, here's just another quote. This is from Howard Snyder. And I believe he really sets this on its head. He says, the New Testament doctrine of ministry rests not on the clergy-laity distinction, but on the twin and complementary pillars of the priesthood of all believers and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You get it? There's no division between clergy and laity. We're all in this together. And each and every one of us is gifted by God for the purposes to which he has called us in our missional engagement. And so as we navigate our way, uh, Simon uh, Ponsonby, he's, a, uh, he's from the UK. He's a vineyard pastor. And uh, if I'm paraphrasing him, I, I just want to say this. These gifts that we're talking about are not natural developments. And Ponsonby says this. He said, Paul's teaching on the spiritual gifts given to the church are not a harnessing of natural resource, but a releasing of supernatural resource. And so we can focus on these ways that we live and move and breathe and we can shine them and polish them and we all have natural attributes but the gifts I'm talking about come to the church followers of Jesus and we assign to them the gift of God to us so that we become those who are invited in the discovery of inclusion so let me talk to you for just a second about a new way of thinking about the fivefold ministry. And help comes from a guy that his name is Alan Hirsch. And um, I'm going to change the fivefold diagram just a second. And he, he changed one word and he, he makes an acronym that he loves. He spent 10 years of his life uh, ide identifying this. And so instead of the fivefold ministry, he calls it APEST, A P E S T, Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist. Shepherd, teacher. Okay? And so let me, just, let me just 
talk about the way he talks about it. He talks about the APEST ministry being ways in which we discern and engage our engagement within the community of faith and beyond into the world. And so the gift that you have generally falls under this category. There's, there's this category. And as I unpack them, let me see if you identify where you fit in this giving. So with regard to an apostle. An apostle, Ken Hanning. Okay? He's not in here. But he told you this not too long ago. In our early days of meeting... Um, I remember having the insight really, really cleared. I watch this guy. This dude's got energy for everything that's new, right? Everything that's new. And what I said to him is, dude, you're a fire starter. You're a fire starter. And, and he smiled like, oh, you know who I am. Uh, and yet that in the best thing, and who's laughing down front is his wife, Jody. Uh, if you can hear laughter, it's his wife, Jody. Are we right? We're right. Okay. So, so, so I would suggest to you that Ken has the disposition of an apostle, a fire starter, someone whose greatest desire is to extend the gospel contextually and generationally. Some of you burn. Some of you burn inside to extend the gospel into context and places that have yet, not yet received it. And some of you yearn and burn with desire to extend the gospel to generational qualities. Your heart, your mind, your capacity, your calling is focused on those who are either ahead of you or behind you or in the group that you occupy yourself. See, apostolic thinking, an apostle thinks about how can I extend the gospel culturally and it be relevant and generationally and it be relevant. The, the prophet, a prophetic ministry with regard to this is people who are particularly engaged in discerning and knowing God's will for the moment. Like, what's God calling us to do? Uh, they have a, a um, particular attunement to understanding what God's truth is for today, for this season, for this moment. Um, when Ted Kim was here and he was talking about prophecy being a word of encouragement, I believe that the general truth of God revealed through the prophet is encouraging, edifying, and, and beneficial, helpful to expanding and inviting people to follow. But it's the truth of the invitation. It's a calling often of forth-telling the truth that is already existent in the Word of God. Not telling the future, although there's some understanding that that occurs. We understand that. But the primary ministry of prophet is telling the truth about what God is doing now as a word of encouragement and edification and building up the church. Some of you exercise that regularly. And as I say it, you recognize that is the gift of God. Now, evangelists, it, it, this is really cool. Evangelists um, are recruiters, if you, if you think about it that way. Uh, they're recruiters, and, and they are infectiously 
communicating the good news of Jesus and inviting people to say yes to his redemption that's available to them and they can't help themselves. And then there's the shepherd, the nurturer protector, the person that uh, is a caregiver to the community, assisting people in their spiritual growth and maturity. You love to see people grow. You love to assist people along the way. Is Perhaps that's the shepherding gift that's in you. And these are all just ways that the Spirit works and how we deliver the message of salvation that's come to us. And then finally, the teacher. Uh, we love these people. They, they understand and help us with regard to remaining biblically grounded. They, they understand the truth and they tell the truth and they help point us to the truth and they keep us grounded in the love of Jesus. Now, the five-fold ministry, as described here in Apest, becomes a general gift to the family of God that also includes the listings of other giftings. Because each and every one of you who is a follower of Christ are already being empowered and gifted for God's glory, for your good, and through you, the good of others. And so maybe your assignment this week would be simply to go ahead and take a look at the lists of, uh, of giftings that are in the New Testament. So Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11, and verses 28 through 30. And then you could just throw Ephesians 4, the passage that we read today. And you might want to do a cross check because there's a reproduction of some of the gifts and there's new gifts. And all of these gifts, and if you listen to some and more, are imparted to us supernaturally by God for his glory, our good, and through us, the good of others. The mix of all the spiritual gifts are now present in the church because Jesus is Lord of the church and the giver of gifts and I love to say it this way anything and everything we need is already present among us or is on its way corporately and individually because I'm a believer that if the gifts given to us are declared to declare the glory of God and for our good and through us the good of others I believe that the spiritual gifts, any and every one of them, whether you've ever functioned in one particular gift or not, if the need arises for the missional invitation extended through you to someone else to understand the gospel, I believe that the Spirit from on high, supernaturally, from beyond this world, comes down to us and gifts us everything we need for the purpose of communicating His great love for us. Through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, while I say that, 
I also recognize that you recognize you have giftings that you're aware of and you regularly operate in them. Are they static or dynamic? Yes. That's the way I think about it. Are they static or dynamic? Yes. Because you have gifts you operate in that you're familiar with. And because of your familiarity and your ease of operation, that's tools in your tool bag that you pull out first. Every now and again, I think you might be stymied. And I just want to say to you, that's the moment to say, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. John Wimber said that was a wonderful prayer to pray. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Because it puts us at the end of our rope and dependent on his provision. And the best provision we can give to anyone is what God is doing and what God has for us. Now, what happens? This mix of spiritual gifts are present in the church and All of the gifts are necessary because all spiritual gifts are gifts of service to the church and the world. And I just love what Robert Mulholland says. He says, Scripture reveals that human wholeness is always actualized in nurturing one another toward wholeness, whether within the community, the covenant community of God's people, or in the role of God's people in healing, brokenness, and injustice. In the world which leads us to engage engage engaging simply means this participate in acts of service and ministry so verse 12 to equip his people for works of service what does that mean that means engaging God in your everyday ordinary life so Let me talk to you just a few examples of engagement. Equipping his people for works of service. Works of service. One of the scariest works of service we provide. We've talked about it several weeks ago now. In our prayer series, we said we should pray. And then we added some words. We added some words that are scary and risky and engaging in service and ministry saying I'll pray for you is a reality fantastic but put yourself out there is may I pray for you right now that's the gift of ministry and service it's something we can all do can you provide food for those who are in need? We, we, do, we have a ministry here called the Meal Train. And it is so wonderful. And if you love providing meals for others, uh, just get connected. Inquire and we can get you connected. You can make all the meals you like. All kinds of incredible stuff. Uh, sharing what you have with your neighbors. You ever... Recognize that you might have a tool or something that your next door neighbor doesn't have and you see them sort of scouring around. Yeah, have you ever thought about the fact that you, we could actually share those things and not have to each and every one of us have one? Right? Like, here, here's the deal. I knew that this happened when you have a pickup truck. 
But I didn't realize the wonderful opportunities I was going to have when I got one. I'd heard. There was rumors in the wind that this is what happens when you get a truck. Everybody wants to borrow it. And you know what? I say this with joy. If I can and it's available, it's yours for the moment. If I can and it's available, it's yours for the moment. You see, you don't have to go buy a truck. There's lots of trucks around here. And there's a lot of other things that are around here if, in fact, we would be willing to share them. I think that's acting in service and ministry to the community, but far beyond the community. Um, have you ever thought, Mandy Peoples Benedicts was here uh, a month or so ago. Have you ever thought about being a RISE mentor in PISD? Do you know that there are mentors desired, and here's how it works. Students in classrooms say, in agreement with their parents, we would like to have a mentor spend time with our child. We think it would be helpful for the development of our child and the fulfilling of rounding them out to be a better person. They've said, count us in, we'd like to have one. What if we raised our hands and said, count us in, we'd like to be one. Count us in, we'd like to be one. What about, what about being a volunteer at Christian Helping Hands? Incredible ministry here in town. You know, they have people that go pick up food that can no longer be sold, but it's still edible. And they have these guys that drive around and pick up food and deliver it back to the warehouse. And they got people who distribute. They got people who, who organize. They got people who bag and sack. They got people who pray. They got people who are there to love and care. What about, what about volunteering there? What about a, an act of service and ministry there? Uh, what, about, what about just acts of kindness? Do you know today? So don't be surprised, Mom and Dad, if you have kids in children's ministry. Here's what's going to happen when you get home. You're probably going to hear about your kids saying, you know, today we were asked if we would think about a way we could serve someone else, and it may include you. Can I say to you, don't grab your throat, fall over backwards, and think, oh. You know, sometimes you just get overwhelmed, right? What about... What about saying, fantastic, how can we do this together? How can I help you make that happen? One final thing about serving and engaging. I want you to grab the card on the chair that's next to you or that you were seated in and you had to move it or you're sitting on it right now. But there was one before the service started. It looks just like this. Just like this. On the front it says Easter on the back, it says, celebrate with us, and gives the day of Easter, April 17th, and the time of two services. It, this, my friends, is an act of service and ministry. Would you do something other than that? I know, I know. There's some natural resistance. I, I already know this because it's, it exists in me. Like, eh, 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 no way. Okay, fantastic. But I want to ask you one question. One question. Would you be willing to ask Jesus, the Lord of his church, 
if he has anyone on his mind for you in your sphere of relationships that could benefit from hearing the message of the kingdom. Right? If he says no, I'm good. But would you at least ask? Would you at least ask? Is there someone, and I'll tell you, there are some ones that came to my mind when I was thinking about that today. Let me wrap it up, and here we go. Engagement means participating in acts of service and ministry. And finally, we get to the final E. We encourage one another. And it just reminds us that we're not alone. We're not alone. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up in unity of the faith, in awareness that Jesus is Lord, another way to say that, the knowledge of the Son of God, Jesus is Lord, and to become mature. Becoming, and he says, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I just had to add these words as I understand that. Becoming who you were made to be in Jesus. And I'll just leave it with this quote again from my favorite, one of my favorite spiritual formation authors. His name is Dr. Robert Mulholland. And the quote is this, spiritual formation for the sake of others will be seen to move against the grain of a privatized and individualized religion. And the deep-seated belief that spiritual life is a matter between the individual and God. Living water, hydration for our daily life isn't intended to be private. It's intended to deeply experience the love of God and the glory of God you know, we have this phrase, you are loved. My prayer for each and every one of you is that every moment that you choose to make time for Christ and that you do place yourself in quiet or in solitude or in prayer, or in sitting on your back porch enjoying the beautiful creation that is his. Every pause, every moment that you set time to be with him, that you'll discover what I've found to be true. You made the time, but my discovery is he was always there before me. And here's what I've discovered. If I make the time, he's always there.
And I can't tell you how often my spiritual director prays these words for me, and I pray them for you. May the people of God hear your loving voice, and may they sit in your long and loving gaze. May they know that they are loved and that you delight in them. It's one of the things that happens when we discover a time set aside. And when that happens and we do that and we understand that we are loved, we understand that we're loved into faith and following Jesus and we understand that we are loved and birthed into a new community. And so when I talk about encouragement, the gifts of God are given to us for his glory, for our good, and through us the good of others. And so I finish with this. We need each other. Let me say it. We need you. We need you. I need you. This community needs you. This church needs you. This city needs you living out your life everywhere you go to the fullest expression possible of Christ's love in you and through you for the sake of the world. We need each other. We are fellow travelers on this road. And my prayer is that we choose to walk together. Living water, daily hydration for your life spills, spills out of you because we leak. You can't help but leak what you're full of. And as we leak, may we be a blessing to those around us. Would you stand? It's possible that you're here today and you say, man, Alan... I just hear the invitation of Christ to follow him. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you've never said yes to his invitation, I'd love for you in just a minute to just come forward and let one of our teams pray for you so that uh, we can celebrate together the invitation of Christ, his new life, his new birth in and through you. If uh, you're still unclear about maybe your gifting, we've got some things on the way that's going to be rolling out in the future to help you discover that. But um, if you'd like to know more about, God, how about me? How am I included in this gifting thing? Uh, we'd love for you to come down and let the team pray for you just to say, God, would you begin to reveal and show them your gift and your giving through them? And if you've been hesitant, you've thought, they don't need me. You look around the room and you see people and like, eh. They got enough help there. They got enough help there. They got enough help there. 
um, and all those other things they're inviting us to do. I'm sure they got that covered also. They don't need me. Can I just tell you that's not true? Because if you're not involved in the places God's called you, we're less than who he's called us together to be for the sake, in the words of our lead pastor, for the sake of our city and beyond. So I'm going to ask our team to come forward. If you're available to pray with those who would like prayer today before they go, um, please come forward and let these pray for you. And I just want to pray a prayer of blessing. When I'm finished with the prayer of blessing, you're free to go. Awaken us, O Lord. Awaken us. Awaken us to the presence of your Holy Spirit. As Kurt said, the one who is in us, the one who walks before us, stands beside us, follows behind us, who is above us and who is beneath us. Awaken us to your presence, I pray. Awaken us not just to your presence, to your presence but awaken us to a new invitation to join Jesus in his good work in the world. Justice and mercy, compassion and kindness. Do this, I ask, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.